Welcome to Functional Design and Closure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. We're here to chat about closure. We're here to chat about all the different ways to use it and be productive and enjoy using it. Is there something you're feeling stuck on? Something you would like to know more about? Something you're curious about? A topic about closure or functional programming? Uh, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, please reach out to us on Twitter at Closure Design or feedback at closuredesign.club for those email people. And finally, for all of us slackers, go to, hop into the Closure Design podcast channel on the Closure and Slack and we'll chat there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, send a, send us some communication. <laughs> uh, speaking of communication, uh, we're in the middle of uh, talking about communication at a worldwide scale, if, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. A web of communication. Yes, uh, a tangled web of communication. We're in the middle of a web series. We're talking about getting web development done in Clojure. And uh, where, where we left off, I think, last week, we were talking about ring, right? Like the, the level of abstraction, like from closure up, starts with ring. And uh, below that, there's different ring adapters that let you hook into the underlying Java ecosystems that do the actual protocol stuff itself, HTTP and all that on the wire, different performance characteristics. But then from, from there up, uh, we have the ring abstraction, it's all closure code. It's all fun from there up, right? So it's functional. <laughs> yes, we get a we we get, we get to write a function, just one function. That's a, yes. that's all we get, and we're happy about that. Yes. Yeah, so the most surprising thing about Ring when you first work with it is Ring. It, it, you you call the start function of your Ring adapter, and it it takes a single function. <laughs> it's your handler for. All of your HTTP needs, your one function, right? Yeah, definitely. So uh, when you're, you, you, you could definitely pile all your code into that one function. Um, but as, as many who have used Clojure and uh, uh, many who are learning to use Clojure, uh, we like to have lots of little functions, lots of things that do individual things. We, we want to compose them together to mix, them and, mix and match and, and to solve our problems. And, uh, and so we, yeah. how, how do we balance those two things is the question for this episode. Yeah, definitely. So ultimately, a request comes in to the web server that you're developing and a response needs to go out. So that's very function-like, right? Yeah, a function gets called with arguments and it returns a response. Yeah. And as we heard last time in Ring, this is pure data. So you have this big map uh, with some nested values in it that describe all of the parameters of the request, all the attributes of the request coming in, and then you have to produce a map going back out to, to say like what the, all your, the response parameters should be, right? So it's a nice pure data processing transformation problem. But the thing is with HTTP, within this map, there are all kinds of different values that have different meanings that are all that define, they have semantic meanings, things like cookies and authorization headers and URLs and query parameters and form data and all that. Yeah. Like for instance, say we were writing a, a, a an application that wanted to accept JSON, uh, but it didn't. So in your, in your handler, <clears throat> 
you would you would your the, when the request uh, fun, uh, map comes in, the body is just it's basically just a big text string, and you want to parse it into JSON. So at the top of your handler, you parse it into JSON, and uh, and but what happens if you if you want that parsing to happen in in a, in, a, in a well let's even before we even get to encoding maybe let's start off with I want to have two different requests <laughs> yeah yeah let's start there right yeah yeah you want you want to have like a slash hello request and a slash goodbye <laughs> request and when you hit slash hello it sends you a string that says hello and you hit slash goodbye it sends you uh I don't know a string that says goodbye <laughs> how do you even do that right well, you know, a, a, a cond would work. You know, we could we could use a, a a con to match on the path that comes in the request and call, you know, call sub functions that do each of those things. You know, have kind of a little bit of a routing layer to our function. Yeah, definitely right. And then as you want to add more and more URLs, then this this one function gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But yeah, there's that well known part of the request, which is the path, the query path, and um. And then you could match on that. But it would be really nice, you know, if, if that kind of concern could just get handled, um, uh, like, without you having to make your function bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could, you could kind of hand off, you could, you could call a function that would do that matching for you, um, from your function like you could you could you could compose the, the the functionality together by just calling the different different things you want to do in your pipeline as functions in your in your handler uh, but then if you have seven handlers and you have six things you want to do for each handler before you get to the actual business logic then you're you end up having to duplicate a lot of code you're calling out to each one of those functions at the top of each one of your handlers just just to get just to get that common, you know, functionality done. Right. And so since it's just a single function, then you could write a function that uh, takes that request and then it pattern matches off the URL and, you know, using cond and then delegates it to another function for each of those cases, right? And then and then that function's going to return the response, you know? So this is like, like just just part of that request, you know? And then maybe maybe it gets to another function. And it's like, well, now if I'm if I'm here at this path, well, then I need to pull Jason apart. Yeah, right? right. So then that function would would take the request object that it received, and it would look inside of that and try to find the JSON values. You know, parse maybe the body. It, it will look for a content type header that says it's application JSON, and so then it would go, oh, okay, this must be JSON. Look in the body and parse that. And then return the body. So then, then now you have a body that you can actually do some work with. So then you want to pass that to business logic that can actually get some work done. In that case, yeah, definitely. But but like you said before, it'd be nice if we could just wrap the functionality. So by the time our our handler gets called, all of those all of those preliminary concerns like the routing and the decoding and the Author, author authorization and authentication and stuff has been handled and and so in 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 ring the way that that is done is with middleware right yeah and so so middleware is kind of neat middleware really comes comes out of this observation that you you get this this res, 
the request in, right? This big map of data that's a request. And there's things in that that can be matched on or there's things in that that need to get decoded. Um, and, and so the idea is you can write some logic that will, let's say, um, let's use the JSON example. You, you could have a function that could just take that request map and inspect it. And if it see, sees the content set, type set to application JSON, it will go, oh, this must be a JSON thing. So then it will take the body and parse it, and it will return a new map to you that has a parsed body in it instead of the encoded body, right? And then you can then take that parsed body and use it. And so it'd be, it, so, so like when we're doing web development, we don't necessarily want to work at the level of, of inspecting and manipulating these raw requests. Like we want to be able to be more declarative and specifying, okay, I, I have these different endpoints and then they're going to have, this endpoint's going to have this kind of encoding and that kind of encoding. And then this endpoint's going to require authentication and that one doesn't, you know. And so we kind of want to build up declaratively these different scenarios, right? And and then the the right things will be matched or parsed on the way there. Right. And so the 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 middle middleware is is what is the way that you actually do the the composition. Um, something we talked about in the transducing episode, I think it was, how how you basically the way that you compose functions together is by making a function that takes those functions and returns you new functions. Um, so we have a function that parses JSON and we have a function that handles the request. And if you want to put those together without having one call the other, you can use um, a higher order function uh, to do that. And so Yeah, and so so the clever thing in Ring is all of the functionality of the toolkit is just built up with these composable pieces of middleware. And then ultimately after you compose all this together, at the at the very edges of that are your your business logic handlers that will get called um, depending on what you middleware you put in place. Right. So every 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 bit of middleware every middleware function takes a handler function. So a handler function is a function that takes a request and, and returns a response. And every middleware function takes that function, a handler function, and returns a handler function. Uh, and sometimes it will mix in other parameters besides just the handler function. Um, but it it seems relatively small when you're just doing a couple of them. But like you said. Everything in Ring is done that way. Every 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 bit of functionality, from authentication to de-encoding, decoding, all everything is done with the same. Like we we basically only have one way of of composing together functionality, and so because of that, we leverage it all the way. Like we basically build up these entire, you know, um, uh, stacks of of functionality. Uh, that that are in front of our handler, so that all our handler has to do is actual the actual business logic. Yeah. So just to clarify, like a handler is a thing that takes the request map and returns a response map, right? And so yeah. you could let you could have a handler that then calls other handlers to to do its bidding, right? So you could have a handler that 
that says, okay, if if uh, the path matches this, call that other handler and it will give me the response back. If the path matches this, call this other handler and give me the response back, right? And so the idea is the handler takes a request, gets a response. So then middleware is is a function that takes a handler that will ultimately be called and then it wraps that handler in other logic. So it, so it returns a, a new handler that wraps the, the intended handler with functionality, right? So let's say we have a simple handler that's just going to return, you know, hello, a hello string response, right? Well, we could have a middleware. We could have a middleware that um, we want to match based on the URL path. So if, if the URL path ends with slash hello, we want to call this handler that returns a hello response. And if the URL path doesn't, then we want to return like unknown, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like not found, right? And so, so that middleware function, um, it would take a single parameter, which is the handler to call, if, if it matches, and it would maybe take another parameter, the path that, that we want, like slash hello. And so then it returns a new function, which is now a, this higher order handler. And so that, that function that it returns is going to be the first thing to receive the request. So it can do its logic on that request and go, okay, let me pull out the path. Let me compare it to the path that was provided. And then, oh, okay, they match. I'll, I'll call, I'll delegate it to the handler that was passed in. Otherwise, I won't ever even call that handle. I'll return my own response, not found, right? And so it's similar to what we discussed back in our transducer series, where um, you're using a higher order function to um, create a context um, for another function that you're going to basically delegate to. Yeah, and 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 inside of your your higher order function, you have the power to do. Everything you, including like you said, not calling the downstream handler, and and this is basically how you know Composure or any any of the routers work is all, they're just they're just a middleware. You, but instead of the the data that you hand them is a table of of request match to handler functions, and so you're actually handling you're hand you're handing it multiple handlers. Uh, and it chooses among those, kind of like the con example we said at the beginning of the episode. Um, but it's done in a way that is well tested and everything, so you don't have to implement it. So you just have to provide the like the the pattern matching and the and the actual handlers, the downstream handlers themselves. Uh, and because of that, you you can then build upon that handler if you want by adding another level of of middleware. Yeah, and so it's it's neat, right? Because ultimately you end up with a single function after you've composed all this middleware together. You end up with this single function that you can pass any number of request uh, maps to, and then it will return any number of response maps based on based on the logic in those that set of middleware that was composed together. And it's nice because these middleware functions are generic, right? They can focus on a concern because because you're you can you have flexibility at both ends so that if you want to test one you can create a handler that um just just uh does something simpler like validates the test or whatever right 
And so right. then you you can test your logic by passing that kind of handler into the middleware. Yeah, definitely. It it really like because there's you can have like a, you can have a whole bunch of layers. You can just have a few depending on on what your use case is, and then you can mix and match the order of them depending on what you want to take what you want to have take priority. Uh, so it's up to you to mix and match those. And the the cool thing is you can just you basically just um, thread your function through each middleware function, and you will know that. That from the top to the bottom, the one, the bottom, one, the bottom middleware handler on that stack will get the first crack at your, at your at the request, and it'll bubble up the stack till it gets to your. Well, hopefully, it gets to your uh, unless there's you know something takes it and goes and returns a response on, on its own. Um, but then it's really easy to see what your middleware stack is, and then you can reorder them to what your what your use case is. Yeah, it's nice because it's it's turtles all the way down, so to speak, right? A middleware <laughs> function takes a handler and returns a new handler where the middleware functionality was is wrapping the original handler, right? So it in and of itself returns a handler. So then therefore that can be passed into another middleware function because it's a handler. So it takes that handler and, and adds its decoration around it and returns a new handler. And so whatever you want to happen first, right? You typically you want to you want to make sure to compose that on last, right? Because that will be the outermost layer of of the the layers of middleware functions. <laughs> the layers of the onion, right? Yeah, like things like authentication go on the outside and things like, you know, you want you want to catch encoding problems, you know, you want those as high up as, or as low down as possible as as far out as possible, I guess. <laughs> so what's interesting is also when the middleware function chooses to call the, the delegated handler, right, is important. So, for example, in an authentication scenario, the middleware function is going to receive the request first. It can do its authentication, right? If it fails, it won't ever call the delegated handler. It'll just return an access denied error immediately. Right. But if it doesn't fail, it will call the delegated function. So it did some work, and then it called the delegated function. It could, the the alternative, for example, is you could have a different middleware function that maybe it, it tries to, it will encode things as JSON, you know, um, but only if the content type is supposed to be JSON, right? So it will just immediately call the handler, and it will get, it's that handler's response, and then it will inspect the content type, and it'll go, oh, um, that, that handler wanted to return JSON. So now I will, uh, encode the body as JSON and return it. So, so then the final handler, like the business logic handler, I guess for clarity only has one concern is setting the content type to be JSON. And then it can set the body to be the actual data and it will know the middleware will be receiving that response and encoding the JSON for it on the way back out. Yeah, it helps. And it so helps then you keep... could have a full full one that does it on both ways, right? Yeah, you could you could have like like to you you could have that JSON encoding one decode on the way in and encode on the way out. Like you could have it do both double duty. Um, you could even have you know <laughs> it, it's, I don't think this is very common, but you could even have it call the 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 lower the downstream handler twice, you know, or three times, depending on what what it needed, you know. Um, like, but it, it has, again, it's full power to do whatever it needs to, including skipping. 
Yeah, and so so it's nice because middleware has a lot of uh, freedom in in when to call the handler. Um, it and so so that that's pretty powerful. So it allows you to have very sweeping handlers on the outside, like like an options handler, a handler that handles all options requests, which are which are used for uh, cross origin resource sharing cores. Right, <laughs> um, most people like just just need a course handler that's like approve yes go done everyone right yeah so any options request it will just it will just categorically handle that so so that it can just approve them all you know but maybe you want more granularity on posts and gets and things like that and puts and deletes yeah and so, and the the because everything is is written with this the same uh, middleware, you know, takes a function, returns a function style. Um, it really means that you can mix and match. Like if you want to change, like we talked last episode about if you want to change out the performance characteristics of the low level, you know, you can change out um, with the HTTP kit or ALF or something like that. Um, inside of the ring middlewares, it's like, it's like each one of them is a layer that accomplishes a certain task and you can switch those out because there are there are many ring middlewares out there that that just take care of one concern um, or there's groups of middlewares that you can use uh, all together and and so you can use you can choose to swap those out at the same level of power um, as switching out your low level um, your low level interface but it lets you switch out like core levels of your of your application stack without having to actually change the way that your application your business logic works the actual the, the leaf handler so to speak yeah and so you can go to the ring like rings github site they have a wiki that that points you to a number of different middlewares that's available but honestly like one of the most helpful things for me when i was getting started was to find example projects that have um, have something working because most mostly when you get started you're going to want some middleware that helps you do routing and so like uh, Nate you and I we use Composure quite a lot uh, we like that as like a routing um, DSL and then um, you, you want some middleware that probably helps you do some encoding and so like for example Aleph um, makes it pretty easy for us to um, encode uh, JSON or actually I think we yeah we uh, in some of our cases we just wrote our own little wrappers that take responses and and encode and decode JSON but there's there's um there's middleware for that and yeah, I think um, it's a yeah right, yeah it's just I, I think it's a really good like I really like what you said um, about about reading example projects um, but because middleware is just a function that takes a function and returns a function, like it's actually a very small, um, a small interface or small uh, implementation, and so it's actually helpful to go and actually read some of these middleware, some some of the source code of them, um, to see what they're actually doing. Like you know, early on, mix in the things that you that you just want to use. Like just use a router, just use a uh, an encode decoder, just use an auth framework. Um, but but over time you'll get to know and want to have more tight control over what 
what actually goes in and out of each of those middlewares. And so uh, we've got kind of gotten to the point where almost all of the middlewares that we use are ones that we wrote that are very custom to the to the, the domain that we're working in um, because we want them to be highly highly tailored to that and not like there's not a general one that works for that. But because we understand the way middleware flows together, it's really easy to 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 take all that all that all that uh, possibility and and just 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 make exactly what we need for our stack. Yeah, and so there's there's some handler, there's some middleware um, that's just handy to get started with for like unwrapping parameters um, and things like that. But if you go if you go to the page for the middleware, it will show you kind of what the conventions are and the parameters are for that middleware and how to use it. And so like like Nate, like you're saying, just um just taking just taking those examples and trying them and, and then and then you then maybe you'll feel more prepared to go take a look at a middleware function and and create your own because it really is pretty simple. It's data in and data out. And then you may or may not delegate that data down to uh the the rest of the chain, the rest of the handler functions. Yeah. I think I think looking at the first time you see a middleware function, it's a little scary because it's a function that returns a function, and 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 so it it can be a little off-putting. But but once you know that really most of your logic just goes in that inner function, um, y- you can kind of forget about the top layer and and really just focus on the logic and whether or not you want to call the upstream handler. So the simplest place to start is Ring itself has some examples on its GitHub, and you can go there and it shows you just very basic things. If you go to the Composure website, you can see examples of more interesting routing. Uh, there's frameworks out there, too, that have good examples. Um, there, there's pretty popular other routers, like Readit is a pretty popular one. Um, some of that can get really advanced, though. So I would encourage you, if you aren't already in sort of in the deep end with Closure and Web and Ring, to just start with the really simple examples on the Ring's website itself to kind of get a flavor of it. Because because since it is all turtles all the way down, you can build some pretty sophisticated um, abstractions on top of that. Yeah, I mean, so because it's just turtles all the way down, and and like 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 we said earlier. A router is just you just you hand the router like basically a map of how to go from request to which function to call. Um, I've seen some middleware that actually it'll 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 do it'll handle your your encoding and decoding. It'll schema validate it on the way in. It'll um, it if if you return an exception, it'll format it correctly. It'll like use expound to to make a nice human readable message like you can have there's there's some middlewares out there that are that are very heavy and very well very customized to their domains um so it can get a little overwhelming uh, but yeah definitely well, start with the smaller ones and the other nice thing is you can have a middleware uh i don't know one off the top of my head because i think i usually just make my own for this but but you can make a middleware that just simply logs <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> because since you're composing functions, right, and you have this big ball of composed functions at the end, sometimes it's a little easy to get lost to how things are transforming on the way down in the call stack and on the way back up in the call stack. So you can add a logging middleware in the middle that just basically logs out what the request it got at its layer, 
you know, was, and then what the response it got from its delegated subhandler was, you know, and that can be really useful too. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing about that is because it's a middleware. So say you have six layers, I want to know what the transition is for at layer two and at layer four. I can actually mix that logging middleware in twice. Um, and it'll, 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 it'll give me like, you know, it'll give me two ins and two outs, um, which, which could be useful. I've only, and I've only really needed to do that when we're writing our own custom middleware, what's going wrong. Usually a a well-written middleware, you don't need to worry about (laughs) it. Uh, but yeah, I would say that kind of the most, uh, easy mistake to make when you're first getting started is to compose them in the wrong order. So the the middleware you think is happening first is actually happening last. <laughs> and so you're like, ah, why isn't it, why is the options request like making it through to this thing it shouldn't be or things like that? Or why didn't that get handled? That whole area get handled categorically. <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely. But we'll link to some of these resources in the show notes on the website for this episode. You can find the show notes at closuredesign.club. <laughs> Yeah, you can uh, uh, send us your your, th- your thoughts on this episode, uh, if you've written any cool middleware, uh, or if there's a m- middleware that you'd like to highlight, or maybe that you're even looking for. Um, there's also a, uh, speaking of things that you're looking for, there's a Find My Lib uh, uh, Slack channel on the Closure in Slack, if you're ever looking for uh, a library that fulfills a certain purpose. So, a little shout out for that. Uh, but anyway... Uh, you can also join us in our Closure Design Dash podcast channel on the Closure and Slack and ask us questions about our podcast there. Yeah, we're uh, we're happy to chat about all sorts of things, including middleware. Uh, we can share how middleware seems so intimidating at first until we realized, hey, it's just pure data. <laughs> <laughs> Come riff on that with us there at the Closure and Slack channel. Yeah, and um, you can find us on the web at closuredesign.club. We have uh, past episodes and show notes. There's lots of stuff out there to go find, so enjoy that. Hours of closure at your disposal. But that's going to be it for (laughs) this week. We've run out of time for this particular episode, but we will be back next week to continue our um, exciting conversation about the web of complexity. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. 